Our scripture reading this morning is from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and father. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. When Jesus, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I tell you, there was no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. These are our sacred stories. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. There are those who seek to make this camel thing more palatable. They talk about how the Greek words for camel and rope, while spelled differently, are pronounced the same way. So surely this is a typo in all three synoptic gospels. Now, I love a good Greek word study, and ropes don't fit through the eye of a needle either. In addition to the rope theory, there are some who reference a gate that was called the eye of the needle. Apparently, a camel could go through this gate if you removed its baggage and greased it up real good. Interesting. The theory is perhaps as old as the ninth century, and if you're keeping track, that's not old enough. There is no widely accepted evidence for the existence of any such gate. So even if camels should be rope, and even if there was a small gate called the eye of the needle, the disciples clearly don't know about this gate, and they're not convinced 
by the rope idea either. They were greatly astounded when they heard this and said to one another, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. It seems to me that the only way a camel is getting through the eye of a needle is a radical dismantling of the camel. I mean extreme reorganization. This would be a serious undertaking and everyone would be involved whether they wanted to be or not. On our own, it is not possible. Through the domination systems of the world, it is not possible. Community with each other and with divine love, community makes the impossible a reality. Dismantling systems of injustice makes the impossible a reality. Radical sharing makes what we cannot do alone into reality. I love NPR. This is not news to you. <laughs> I listen to whatever show is on in my car or I listen to my favorites on podcasts. I love NPR except during the fundraising campaigns. You know, if you're listening to this, if you rely on us for your news and information, you really should give your money. Consider what you pay monthly for other services you use. Now, how much more is this worth to you? You get, so you need to give. For this hour on NPR, your donation will get you this t-shirt this mug, this tote bag, you give, so you need to get. But what if it were different? What if we gave out of passion and compassion without any strings attached? What if instead of tit for tat, we focused on communal sharing, on working together? a community where everyone contributes what they can in time and money and talents and ideas. No scale to balance. Giving and getting with love as the focus. As I mentioned, the story of the rich young ruler is in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. He's a ruler in Matthew and he's young in Luke and he's rich in all three. And all three times this story is told, it is situated just after children are brought to Jesus. In all three, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the disciples want to send the children away. And in all three, Jesus orders the disciples to let the children come to him. In Mark, for example, Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Don't keep them away. God's kingdom belongs to people like them. What I'm about to tell you is true. Anyone who will not receive God's kingdom like a child will never enter it. We've been reading through Mark in worship in these days, and I feel like I've said it every week for a month, and Jesus must have felt like he said it every day for three years. The kingdom of God turns the prevailing culture on its head. 
the last shall be first. The kingdom belongs to those who are like little children. The poor are blessed. And they just didn't get it. And so he just kept saying it and tried again and again and again. And here's another opportunity when this rich man comes to Jesus. And as most English translations have it, asks, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This question is boiled down to, what do I need to give so that I can get? Eternal life suggests to modern readers that this man is asking about going to heaven. But the Greek words are zoe, life, and aeon, the age, as in the age to come. It seems to me that this man is asking about the zoe, aeon, life, and the age to come. He's asking about the coming kingdom of God on earth. Jesus doesn't ask the man what he believes, doesn't ask him to pray a prayer. Jesus asked the man about his loyalty. Jesus asked the man about what he does. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. The man does know them, and he claims he's kept all these his whole life. Jesus doesn't challenge the claim. Instead, Jesus looks at the man and loves him. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. In the first century, the wealthy were all part of the ruling elite, part of what the Bible Um, excuse me, part of what biblical scholars like Walter Wink and Marcus Borg and Walter Brueggemann call the domination system, the richest 1% of the population. If, like the rich young ruler, you had many possessions, you were deeply immersed in this system and you benefited from it. It made you even richer. Wealth was held and passed down in families. There was virtually no upward mobility in the first century world. There were no rags to riches stories. For one thing, there was no middle class. Wealthy men, mostly rulers, were a tiny percentage at the top. Then peasant farmers and artisans were way down the scale. And below them, at the very bottom, were the truly poor, who lacked land and no marketable skill. This class was full of widows and orphans. And it wasn't just about the money. The prevailing idea was that if you had wealth, you had God's blessing. But this is not the kingdom that Jesus describes. Jesus again and again tells us that we're turning the world upside down. Blessed are the poor, he shouts. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the peacemakers. Whoever wants to be first must be last and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them and taking it in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. 
what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Inherit. To inherit anything, you have to be part of a family. Jesus describes the realm of God as a family where prosperity is defined by sharing rather than by retained wealth and power. Our children and women, outcasts and wounded, poor and privileged are all welcome. Where there's enough for everyone. Where love determines our priorities. The commandments that Jesus asks the man about, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal or bear false witness or and honor your mother and father, these commandments are about community. Jesus doesn't even mention the other ones, doesn't ask about taking the Lord's name in vain, doesn't ask if he's kept the Sabbath, doesn't even ask about other gods. Jesus asks about the commandments that affect other people, the community. Jesus asks in the face of this man's selfish question, what must I do to inherit Jesus asks him about community. The man asks about himself, and Jesus answers back, you, all by yourself, with your wealth as your only companion? Uh, you can do nothing. This is a community thing. Your money will not save you. Your status will not save you. Your participation in the domination systems will not save you. Salvation is about creating God's kingdom of justice right here and right now. It's about flipping everything on its head. And it's only possible through community, only possible with divine love, only possible when sharing is more important than amassing wealth. covenant we're seeking to live into this radical reordering instead of hoarding our wealth instead of focusing only on ourselves we're sharing what we have our resources our time our talents we're making this community possible every dime needed to make our community work to turn on the lights to pay our employees to send children to camp to live stream and Zoom, to help to fund our mission partners every dime comes from us. We do this thing together. And in so doing, we turn the world upside down. It's not about tit for tat. It's about us and all and every together. Alone, none of this is possible. Alone, we could never have this vibrant, progressive community of faith wherein we seek to love, where we practice the turning of priorities of the domination system on their head through sharing and giving and loving. We do it together. We create the realm of love and justice together. Not once, always. It's the month of stewardship when we think about our pledge for the coming year's operating budget, but it doesn't end at the end of October. 
this radical living into community and sharing, it goes on and on and on. It's part of who we are. My friends, we cannot inherit the realm of God alone. This is a community thing. And I'm grateful for this community, for your love and your radical sharing and your gifts. I'm grateful for each one of you. Amen.